Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College Ministry at the Point College. Let's jump into the message.
2001. Some of you are like, yeah, dog, that's, that's a long time ago. Okay, I'm from the 1900s, okay? 1997 is when I was born. And 2001 was not that long ago, okay? 2001 was not that long ago. And it, it's, it just goes to show how quickly things have changed, how quickly technology has evolved. Because a selfie wasn't even a selfie until 20 years ago. And then it wasn't until 2003 that the first phone with a front-facing camera was released. Like the first phone with a front-facing camera where you could take a selfie was not released until 2003. And then it wasn't until 2015 where the selfie stick was released. Some, I, I don't even know anybody who uses selfie sticks anymore. Does anybody, it's not even a thing, right? But the selfie stick, but it was also in 2015 that it was reported that more people died from taking selfies than they did shark attacks. More people died from trying to take selfies than shark attacks. They would literally try to be take a selfie, capture this cool moment, and they'd like fall off a building or they would fall out the window, okay? So that was just in 2015. And they even have this condition now called self-itis. Self-itis, it, it sounds like the inflammation of self, um, but basically what it is, it's the obsessive taking of selfies, okay? The obsession of taking selfies and posting them to social media. And this self-itist, you know, obsessively taking these, these um, selfies has been found to be linked to many symptoms that are common to mental health disorders, okay? So like uh, narcissism, like being full of yourself, uh, low self-esteem, loneliness, self-centeredness, attention-seeking behaviors, okay? So now medical people, medical authorities, they have now begun to connect the taking of too many selfies as a potential unhealthy sign of mental health issues. So do you, do you know anyone who has an obsession of taking selfies? Do not point, do not look. I already see heads turning, don't do it. Do you take, I mean, is it you that's taking too many selfies? Because I, I feel like, you know, like on my Snapchat, if I swipe over and I see like these famous like um, certified people, they'll pop up on like where the ads kind of are at the bottom and on the explore page, and they will post a gazillion selfies a day, like so many selfies, and it's almost like an idolized thing, like people are like intrigued by that, and they want to see it, and I just want to tell you tonight that that's not something to strive for, it's not something to compare yourself to, okay, when I was a freshman in high school, when I was a freshman in high school, I, I did not care, I did not give two rats about what I looked like, okay, I, I would not, I would go the whole entire day, my freshman year of high school, and I would not look in the mirror. Like, I would go to the bathroom, I would go up to the sink, I would wash my hands, and I would get out. Like, I did not care. And I had, I, I had acne on my forehead freshman year. I had, I just got my braces off, so you better believe I had, like, the stains, you know what I'm saying? I had, like, the stains, and then I had curly hair then, and I really didn't know how to tame it. But I did not care at all, like, my freshman year. But the older you get, the more you start caring about what other people think, the more you become aware of what other people are thinking, and you start to compare yourself with other people, and you look at all the ways that you don't measure up, and you start to become more selfish. But the thing with the selfie is that it will normally cause you to think more about yourself and less about the people around you, okay? So you want the best angle, you want the best image of you, you want the best picture, and I, and I can promise you that because don't even lie, when you take a group picture and somebody asks if it's good, you know you're just looking at yourself, right? Like somebody, somebody could literally have like their like five people in this group picture could have their eyes closed, like, and it's a terrible picture of them, and you're like, oh, that's the one. I look 
fire, right? Like that, is, that has to be it because I look good. You guys know that's true. But in this culture, it's all about like me, 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 me. In a culture that's calling me a queen when I post a cute, you know, picture on Instagram, Thomas is like, mm, hello. In a culture that's trying to sell me apps, to touch up my face or my imperfections in a culture that wants me to do whatever I want, it is easy to lose sight of the things that God actually wants us to focus on. So in Matthew chapter 25, verses 40 through 45, it's going to pop up here. It says, the king will reply, so God, he's going to say, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he's going to say to the one on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And then they're going to answer. They're going to say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you and God God will reply truly I tell you whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me and when we're so stuck in our own lives and our own image and our own self we forget about the people around us and then we get really overwhelmed do we not we start to get very overwhelmed we're overwhelmed with their opinions we're overwhelmed with our appearance we're overwhelmed by their reaction comments, what people are saying about it. And then we get so overwhelmed by our own life that we forget to be overwhelmed with the love of God. And this is very profound, and I want you to write this down, this note, okay? When you do not know who you are in Christ, it becomes about you. When you do not know who you are in Christ, it becomes about you. It's always about you. But when you are overwhelmed by the love of God and you see things the way he see thing, sees things, when you know who you are in him, then you are not just consumed with yourself, okay? You are consumed with his love and the love that he has for his people. And you actually love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you know, Nashville, Tennessee, where we were at this conference, it's a lot different. Like, Nashville, Tennessee looks a lot different than Waverly, Iowa, okay? But the brokenness that was in that city is the same brokenness that is in our backyard right here in Waverly. And right outside this conference center that we were at, where this, you know, this, this huge uh, conference was happening with, you know, thousands of people there to worship Jesus. There were homeless people scattered all, all over outside of the building. And so it was it, right outside this conference center where all these people are gathered to worship Jesus. There's people right outside the doors who are hurting and hungry and homeless and lost and it made me sick to my stomach to think about all the church people trying to get to their conference and just walking right past these homeless people. And I was one of them. And one night, Tyler and I decided that we were going to make a box of some of our leftover food to go, you know, take it to one of the homeless people. Because, we, guys, we literally saw people digging in the trash for food. And as we were eating that night, I, uh, I remember the, the fries that I got were not very and I almost made a comment to complain about it. I almost made a comment that was like, you know, these, these fries kind of uh, stink. Like, they kind of they suck. Um, but then I thought, what the heck am I doing? Somebody out there would die to have my leftovers. And here I am wanting to complain about the fresh food that's on the table. 
in John 6, okay, after Jesus, he, he takes he took five small barley loaves, so five small pieces of bread, and he took uh, two small fish, and he fed 5,000 people, okay? He fed 5,000 people. And we want to celebrate that, that all those people got filled up, and we focus on that miracle or whatever. But what I want to point to tonight is the line that came after all that stuff happened, okay? This is what, this is what Jesus said to his disciples after all that happened. He said, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So then they gathered these leftovers because Jesus does not let things go wasted. And they had 12 basketfuls from, from five loaves and two fish. And because Jesus did not want to waste the leftovers, they had 12 basketfuls. Guys, Jesus uses the leftovers. He takes things that people think are useless and he blesses them and uses them to demonstrate his glory. So even when we feel like we don't have enough time or enough talent or enough money or enough resources, we should have the heart to say to the people, just take what you need. Take what you need. Because God uses that which seems insignificant. And he provides more than we could have ever imagined. And you see, Kaylee said this earlier. Kaylee Polk said this earlier. Blessing follows obedience. Blessing follows obedience. But we don't do things because of what we'll get out of it. That's just not how it works. We do it because it's who we are. We do it because it's our God-given identity. That's why we are obedient. So Tyler and I, you know, we, we took our leftovers to this guy and, and, and gave it to him. And in no way, like right outside the conference center before the conference, and in no way am I saying, hey, pat on the back, look at us, okay? The only reason I'm sharing this with you is because I want to share my heart tonight. And I want to share with you what, what doing that did for me. And so we walked into, that, into the conference center guys, we were more filled up after literally giving some guy our leftovers, a simple thing. After giving some guy our leftovers, we were more filled up than after hearing any speaker or hearing any worship, just doing a simple thing. We agreed that, that when we walked in, worship felt different that night. The service felt different that night. And it was because we shifted our hearts to not just be thinking about ourselves and what we were consuming just for one moment. And I wonder what would happen if you would just take one moment at school, just one moment at school, and you would go up to the kid who nobody wants to be around, and everybody avoids, you just take one moment. I wonder what that would do for you. I wonder what that would do for them. I wonder if you take one moment when you got home from school, and you asked your parents how their day was instead of getting immediately on your phone and started scrolling. I wonder if you just took one moment. And that night we went to the conference, that same night, we, you know, we gave them the leftovers, we went to this conference, and they said, hey, tomorrow night, it's the last night, we're going to open this conference up to anyone, anybody, okay? It doesn't matter if you paid, it doesn't matter if you're from a church, it doesn't matter who you are. Anybody can come to this conference. You can go out and invite anyone, that's what they said. And that next night, as we were walking in, and we passed by all these homeless people with our full bellies. I felt sick to my stomach walking right past them. And once the service started, guys, I could not even, I could not even fully worship because of the sickness that I had in my stomach. Because anyone was invited, anybody, all were welcome. I could have went out and invited any single person. And yet I had not invited a single soul. And I'm a pastor who, tell, who talks to 
God or talks to people about God for a living, okay? And so I tell Tyler, and the, the service has already, you know, started. The worship's going. And, and so we just, we go out behind the building, and we come across this man that's sitting on the stairs. And we said, hey, just so you know, there's a worship gathering that's going on in there. And all are welcome. You are invited. Please, like, if you want to, you can join us. And he said, um, thank you. I've already been asked by four people. So we said, okay. And we kept walking, and we came across another man that was sitting uh, on a bench. And he said, hey, just so you know, there's, there's a worship night going on right here. And all are invited. All are welcome. And he said, um, I'm waiting for the bus. And then we go to, you know, look for somebody else that we can talk to. And this woman comes, you know, just full force at these two police officers. And she's like, he's got a gun. And so Tyler and I immediately made our way back into the conference center. In all that chaos in our world, people who are ignorant, people who are busy, people who are desperately afraid, all of that is going on outside of a building of people praising God. So no, the invitations that we extended were not accepted. But a seed was planted, and my eyes were opened to the desperate need of a Savior that this world needs. But if I was standing, you know, standing all happily in front of the speakers and the smoke and the lights and all the fancy people in front of a stage just thinking about me, my heart would have not ached. My stomach would have not hurt for all those lost outside of those auditorium walls. And have we become people who are so focused on ourselves that our stomachs don't hurt and our hearts don't break for the lost and hurting people of this world? When around the world, we have, we have more than enough food to feed the global population. Guys, we have enough food to feed everybody in the entire world, yet 829 million people still go hungry. Yet we're fighting obesity here in America. When we're worried about getting the right Instagram filter, yet people around the world are trying to filter clean water, and one in four people around the world do not have access to safe drinking water. When we're not happy that we have to share a room at home, yet 20% of the world's population lacks proper housing, and 150 million people are homeless. When we're concerned about a message not hitting right for us, this wasn't for me. Yet people around the world can't even hear the name of Jesus because it's forbidden in their country. It's not about you. It's not about us. We have to get over ourselves. And if you don't agree with me, and you want to go ahead and you want to you make it about you, then you can go ahead and you can live a selfish life and you can see where that leads you. But what you have won't ever be enough if you're going to live like that. But I know someone who has more than enough. I know someone who is more than enough, and it's not because of anything that you have done, it's because of what he has done for you, because the power of the Holy Spirit you have within you if you choose to receive it. So in Matthew chapter 20, it's 26 through 28, Jesus says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus, he did not go around, okay, he did not go around when he was here, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. He did not come here and say, serve me. Hey, everybody, serve me. Serve me, everybody. He said, follow me. I'm going to point you to the Father. That's what he said. That's what Jesus Christ said. He did not go around asking people to serve him. He said, follow me so I can point you to the Father. And that is exactly what we should be doing. We should not be going around and asking people to serve us, to be served. We should be saying, hey, follow me. I'm going to point you to the Father. That's what we should be doing. 
And some of you are like, okay, that, that's great. I, I, I don't want to be served. I want to serve. I don't want to make it about me. I want to be focused on other people. I want to get over myself. So how do I do that? I got three things for you tonight. I have three steps for you, okay? The first one, the first step, step number one, you should write down, is don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. You aren't too busy. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you have going. You are not too busy because you will make time for what you care about. You will make time for what is important. And on Wednesday nights, here's, here's me being vulnerable. On Wednesday nights, I can sometimes be stuck on myself. What do I have to do? What do I have to prepare? Are the ducks in the row for tonight? And I found myself being kind of selfish on Wednesdays because I would be so tunnel focused on what I needed to do. So I said, you know what, on Wednesday nights, I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to do something about my distraction, and I'm going to start going out and serving. I'm going to start going out and being there for people, not myself. And so that's why on Wednesday mornings at the Waverly Shell Rock High School, we're greeting. That's why on uh, normal Wednesday at uh, lunch, we're at the middle school sitting with you guys and eating. It's because I want to be out. I don't want to be focused on myself. That's why I, ha I have Kaylee and Amelia who are putting together a plan for the rest of this year for us on Wednesday afternoons to go out and serve people. That's why they went around to the apartments and they slid invites to church to run down apartments because we want to be servants. We don't want to be served. And so for me personally, I can just get stuck on this tunnel vision. If I got things to do, if I got places to be, it can keep me from pausing and extending a hand. And so as we walk by all these homeless people, guys, it's happening. It's happening in Waverly. And Cedar Falls and Waterloo, I don't know if you've been around, but there are homeless people literally standing there on the street. And so I actually looked at Tyler when we were there, and I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take some waters and some granola bars or some, some Bibles. We're going to get a plan together. We're going to put it in our car. So at all times, we immediately have something to give people. So there's no, no excuse. Every time we see somebody on, you know, on the street, a homeless person, we have something to give them. We have, we have a water, we have a granola, we have a, we have a Bible. We have things to give them that are readily available so there are no excuses. What's crazy is we were at that conference, and I said that to Tyler, and we talked about it. We're like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to put this plan in place. And then some guy got up there, and he said, yeah, my wife and I, we started to, to put waters and granola bars and, and stuff in our vehicle. So at all times, we had a plan. We were ready to, to give it who, to whoever needed it. So put a plan in place. When that new person's at school, what's your plan? What are you going to do? When you see those cuts on people's arms, what's your plan? What are you going to do? When someone's getting picked on at school, what's your plan? What are you going to do? You aren't too busy. But you're much more likely to act on those things that you, you know that God is calling you to act on if you have a, a plan in place. The next thing um, along with the distraction is don't get distracted by your limitations, by not having enough money time, talent, because here's the thing, if God calls you to do something, you need to do it. If God calls you to do something, do it. You don't need to worry about whether you're, you know, whether or not you're enough, because you're not. He is, though. So you don't need to worry about whether or not it's going to be, all right, whatever, just do what God calls you to do. We were actually at the conference, and again, this is no, like, pat on the back, I'm just sharing my heart with you because this is something that I struggle with because sometimes I can be selfish and self-centered. And I was sitting there and the, the, the conference was starting, like the speaker was already going and God was pressing on my heart, you need to go pray for this girl, this specific girl that we met the first night and she was just serving and she was greeting people. She's like, you need to go, he said, you need to go right now 
And you need to go tell her that she, she shines the light of Jesus Christ. She shines the light of Jesus Christ. And I tried to sit there and I tried to ignore it and I tried to just like listen to the speaker and it just would not go away because if God calls you to do something, you need to do it. He's going to keep knocking. He's going to keep pressing. So do it. So I went and I talked with her. I said, hey, I just want you to know that you shine a lot of Christ. And, and I ended up praying for her. And I, and I have no idea the impact, but I was obedient because God told me to do it. And I know that some of us, we can't go out, right? We can't go out to other countries and we can't provide vehicles or, or resources. But we have to be the light, which literally every single week we take up an offering so that we can be generous and be outward to give to other people who need it, other people who are spreading the gospel. And so next week, you know, we have this $500 goal. Okay, we've hit the $500 goal the last two years. I think we can hit 1000 all right? And if so, if, if you come up with a plan and you're not distracted and you come ready to go next Wednesday, I have no doubt that we'll be able to say, hey, missionary across the world, here's money to go buy a vehicle. Here's money to go get resources, but you cannot be distracted. The second thing, number two, number two is don't be offended. Don't be offended. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you need to get over being offended. Because we are not promised that this is going to be easy. And guess what? When you are misunderstood, misjudged, mistreated, you actually enjoy some of the sufferings of Christ. And that is an honor. And I could have been offended when, when the couple people that I went out and I invited, when they said no. I mean, I could have been offended. I, in fact, I could have let it ruin the entire conference that entire night. I can't believe they asked me to sit there and do that. I can't believe they didn't accept my invitation and come in. But instead, you know what I did? I celebrated the people who said yes. Because when I was in that conference center and I looked around, I saw homeless people scattered. So I celebrated that. And I celebrated when I saw a man come up to a homeless, homeless guy sitting in the back and just lay hands on him and begin to pray. I celebrated that. And this is going to be profound for some of you, so write this down as well. Don't be so insecure that you get offended by your failures or other people's successes. I'm going to say it three times. Don't be so insecure that you get offended by your failures or other people's successes. Don't be so insecure that you get offended by your failures or other people's successes because it's gonna happen. And this is one that I have to work on too because sometimes I can pour out my heart and I can be, be ministering to people and they can turn around and they can twist what you say and they can upset you and they can hurt you. But that's good news because that's, that means I'm, I'm reaching lost and hurting people. And here's the deal, guys. People are going to forget what you said, okay? You guys aren't going to remember this tomorrow, some of you. I'm going to keep going. Because that's not what it's about. People are, people are going to forget what you said, but they are not going to forget the moment that God moved in your heart. When I got saved at camp when I was like 12 or 13, I don't remember the speakers that spoke. I don't remember who led worship. I don't, I don't remember anything. What I remember is seeing Jesus Christ, an image of him up on the screen, and just feeling the love of God for the first time, that's what I remember. Because we are stewards and we are vessels for God. It's not about us. So don't, get, don't be offended. And the last thing, number three, the last thing, don't stop serving. Don't give up. Don't stop. Because with the culture that we have, with the society that we have, we're so used to moving on so fast. Like if we don't like a selfie, X, redo it. If we don't like her, swipe left. Okay, if we don't like something on our phone, we keep scrolling. But we cannot be so quick to move on from God. I'm going to invite the, the worship team up. So don't give up. Don't stop serving him. Because however you are treating people here, guys, that is how you're treating God. So don't stop praying. Don't stop going after his answers. Okay, even when you don't feel it, 
don't give up. Don't stop. Don't stop sitting at his feet. And you know when um, when Tal and I were in Tennessee, we didn't we didn't bring Hazel, our daughter, with us. Nine months old, we left her back home with with Grandma and Grandpa. And when we came back home, Hazel, it took a while for her to want to be around us. Do you know how sad that is as a parent to have your kid like have to warm up to you? And she, and she wouldn't, like, like normally she just crawled right to my feet. She just crawled right to my feet, and she wants me to scoop her up. And she wouldn't crawl to my feet, and she and, and want me to hold her when we got back right away. And as a parent, it just broke my heart. I'm like, that's my child who I gave life to, who I've fed, who I've clothed, who I've cleaned, whose tears I've wiped away, who I've been for in the middle of the night. spoken life over and a few days away and she didn't want to crawl up to my feet and I just got a glimpse of what God feels like what our father feels like when his kids who he has clothed and fed and cleaned and loved and breathed life into don't want anything to do with him anymore when we get so distracted by other things that we don't want to sit at his feet anymore when we don't want to be held by him anymore when we don't want to serve him anymore but when we got home and my daughter, you know, and I started spending more time together, she started to crawl to my feet again. And that feeling of having my daughter at my feet and scooping her right up to be with me, there's nothing like it. And it is something I will never get tired of. And that is exactly what God thinks of us. So I don't want to do things that make this world happy. I don't want to be stuck on myself. I don't, I don't want to be focused on that because the world is never going to be satisfied. I want to do things that make heaven happy. I don't need a worldly applause. I don't need hoops and hollers. I want heavenly applause. I want them cheering me on from above. That's what I want. I want to make my father happy. I don't want to be consumed with myself. I want to be consumed with him. So I'm going to choose to serve him and him alone. And just keep because here's the deal, you don't need to capture the best picture of your life when you have someone who sees you for who you truly are and knows you for it. And some of you tonight need to make that decision to say, I am, I am, I'm self-centered. I've been too focused on myself. I want to be outward. If you would bow your head and, and heads and close your eyes tonight. Some of you haven't felt God move in your life and you haven't felt him presence because you're just concerned with yourself and what you've got to do and what people think of you and what they're saying and tonight you just want to repent of that and you want to turn back to him and you just want to say hey God I'm all for you I'm done trying to serve the world and myself I want to serve you if that's you tonight uh, I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three just make that bold declaration to say, hey, Jesus Christ, I'm choosing you and only you. One, two, three, raise your hand tonight if that's you. If you're saying, Jesus Christ, it's only you. And I'll come back. Thank you. You can put those hands up. If you would just repeat this prayer after me with everything that's within you, say, dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you for your word. 
please forgive me. I want to live for you and only you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday nights, and the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday nights. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in. Thank <laughs> you.